0: And many of the Christians that Saul was persecuting were uh, Jewish Christians. So they were Jews who were who followed Torah, which is the, the, the Hebrew Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the Jews who were good Jews like Saul were turning to Jesus and he made it his life's work and his mission to make sure that he stopped them in their tracks and did whatever he could to thwart this great movement called the Way. Did you know that Christianity in its early days was called the Way? The Greek word for way is hodos, okay? Hodos. Hodos means the road or way, or in like in Spanish, el camino. Hodos. So in Spanish, they would have, the Christians would have been called El Camino, the way. Um, and what was fascinating about the way is that Paul um, wanted to create roadblocks for the way. He wanted to stop the progress of Christians. Has anything ever tried to stop your progress and your faith and your growth? Because the moment you turn your life over to Jesus, guess what? Guess what? You have a bullseye on your back. You have a big target on your back. Because the enemy is going to come and try to attack you. The Bible says, according to John chapter 10, that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your peace and your faith. He comes to kill. He wants to kill your body. He wants to kill your faith completely. Okay? He wants to steal your peace and your marriage and your relationships. He wants to kill every relationship around you. And he wants to destroy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Complete devastation and destruction is what the enemy wants to try and bring against you and your household and your family and everything that is connected to you. That's what he tries to do. He starts with you. Then he tries to kill the two of you. And then he tries to attack. Your whole family. That's what the enemy wants to do. And so when we come to Jesus, guess what? Before you come to Jesus, he's like, hey, they're on my side. I'm going to leave them alone. They're working for me right now. The moment you you switch over from the dark side right, to the way of Christ, uh, the enemy comes after you. It comes after all of us. The higher you go in Christ, the harder he comes after you. And so our job is to be prayed up. Our job is to be surrounded. Our job is to recognize Satan when he starts coming for us. Those are my, pre- uh, my prefaced words before we start um, as we learn about Saul. We we'd like to start, and I, I want your help. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna um, go live on this mic down here, and we're gonna read. Let's see here. We are going to read verses one through six of chapter nine. Do I have a volunteer to help us read chapter? Nine verses 1 through 6. If you can come and join us right here at this mic. Come on, Sister Carla. Let's give Sister Carla a great big round of applause. Thank you, Mama Carla. God bless you guys. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, family. Good to see you guys. Okay, Mama Carla, read slowly and very loudly and boldly verses 1 through 6.
1: Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, relentless in his search for believers, went to the high priest, and he asked for letters of authorization from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that he may find any man or woman there belonging to the way believers, which were followers of Jesus the Messiah. Men and women alike, he could arrest them and bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem as he traveled he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him displaying and Saul said who are you Lord and he answered I am Jesus whom you are persecuting for now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do
0: amen thank you mama Carla so and we're gonna, what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to read chunks of scripture at a time. Then we're going to talk about them so that we can break it up. And then if you guys have questions and discussions, we can bring your questions and we can talk about it as we go. Is that fair? So let's go right here back to uh, verse one again. So meanwhile, whenever you come across a word like meanwhile, it's a transitional word. And it means that we are we're switching um, lanes a little bit. And taking our focus away from what has just been said. Now we know that in chapter 8, we know that it's the story of uh, Philip. um... Hey, what's up, Marky? You're
1: awesome.
0: It's all right. Philip, one of the uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, and his ministry to um, an Ethiopian, uh, Simon. The sorcerer, people who wanted to have the power of God, but only for their own purposes. Um, And so now we're transitioning, okay? And we're moving into the life, okay? The transformation, all right? And some would, would call it a conversion of sorts of the Apostle Paul. So, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. When it says, you guys, right here, um, he was still breathing, all right? Um, what do you think it's referring to here in chapter 9? Still breathing out murderous threats. Can you, can you remember what happened in chapter 7? What happened in chapter 7? Going house to house, snatching people up, dragging them out into the courts, um, flogging them, throwing them in the jail. And then in the case of Stephen, what happened to Stephen? Stephen was stoned to death. And the scripture was very careful to remind us who was there looking on with approval. Saul. Saul was there looking on with approval going, yeah, that'll show them. We'll make an example out of this guy and they'll stop doing what they're doing. Can I can I remind you guys that nothing can stop the work of God? Did you know that in places where the word of God is suppressed, where it's illegal, actually, where it's illegal, that Christianity is growing um, very very fast um, in those places because there is a, there is a dedication, a commitment, and an earnest um, an earnest commitment. A fervor and fire for the Lord that cannot be quenched by anything. We're talking about places where people can be killed still to this day, thrown in prison for their belief or for their faith in Jesus Christ. It's those kinds of people that we could be encouraged by here today because our lives are not necessarily at stake, are they? We're not always put in harm's way because of our faith we live in a free country and we're able to um, share all right um, our faith with many people without any consequences or issue well as as saul was making it his purpose to persecute christians the christians who were receiving the gospel and faith in jesus christ were committed more than ever to not relenting to not giving in, but to serve Jesus no matter what, no matter the cost. Uh, and I think that is, I think that's tremendous. Let's continue reading. He went to the high priest and asked him to let for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul is now on his way to Damascus. Everybody say Damascus. And Damascus is not too far from Jerusalem. So it was in that general region of Israel. And and Saul is on his way and he's got people that are with him. Part of his entourage, right? They're probably going um, on this journey on horses, on horseback. Excuse me. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So this voice calls out to him, calls him by name, a voice out of thin air, a voice from heaven, calls out to Saul and asks him why he is persecuting him. And this is what Saul responds and, I want, and I'm bringing us to our first point here in verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Pause there and, and think about this in verse 5. Saul is now responding to this voice that appears to him out of thin air. And then he responds, who are you, Lord? Have you ever thought about the fact that people who don't have a relationship with Jesus... Um, actually know more about God than we give them credit for? Have you ever been in a situation and you start realizing that people in the world actually know more about God, even though they may not have a relationship with Jesus? They have have consumed and they have taken in so much, whether concepts far off, whether ideas about God, whether they were raised in ways where they were taught the word of God when they were young and then drifted away from it. People know about God and people can respond to who God is. And the voice of God when the Holy Spirit starts to come to them. At the point that God makes his way to Saul, he says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul responds, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? He responds to this voice and calls this voice, Lord. So he hears and he is now his spirit is resonating with God. But all the while Saul thought he had been hearing from God and in persecuting, killing, right? And taking people, putting them on trial, throwing them in prison and even killing them. He thought he was doing what God had wanted them to do. And Jesus responds, I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. There are many people who say, I believe in the Most High. I believe in God, but I don't believe Jesus is God. I don't believe Jesus is Lord. But here in the book of Acts, here in Scripture, we see that there's a conversation where Jesus, God, the Lord himself, is talking to Saul and introduces himself as Jesus. He says, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. All right. Now let's pause there for a minute. All right. And I want somebody to come up now and read verses seven through 19. Who wants to read these verses? Somebody come and jump. Somebody come and jump. Don't all jump at once. Come on, y'all. Can't move on until we read it. Okay, sister. Can you can you introduce yourself as well? My name is Misty. Missy? All right, Missy. With Ber- a T. Misty. Excellent. Verse seven to nineteen.
2: And then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Ananias baptizes Saul. Now there was, a, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And, in Islam, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before gentiles kings and the children of israel for i will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake and ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him he said brother saul there fell upon his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized so when he had received food he was strengthened then Saul. Spent some days and the, with the disciples at Damascus. Amen. Saul preaches Christ.
0: You could stop right there. Perfect. You guys just give Misty a round of applause. Thank you, Misty. That was great. That was great. Okay, look at verses 7 through 9. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything." So we see that there were witnesses here. There were witnesses to this encounter that Saul had with the Lord. And this is very significant because you're going to learn and read about in other parts of the Bible where Saul constantly has to try and prove himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. He has to prove himself, and we're going to read here in in the remaining chapter. Saw is going to have to try and prove that he is actually not the guy that they all think he still is, but that he is different now and that he is transformed. How many of you guys know that sometimes words cannot convince anybody of anything that you've changed or that you think is a, a, a different way or that God is doing a different work? But it's only by your actions. It's only by the fruit of your life. It's only by a demonstration of a bona fide transformation and conversion where God takes your mind and your heart and he aligns it with himself. So that others, whether you care or not about what other people think, as a matter of fact, our reputation in our name is good. But guess what? You should not be holding your breath waiting for people to believe in the change that God is doing in your life. You simply remain committed to the Lord and stay faithful to the Lord and not worried about what people are talking about or saying on the periphery, because that's not important. God wants you to know that the work that he's doing in your heart and your life is the most important thing. Amen. So it was significant here that there were witnesses that heard this audible voice that Luke is now telling us about here in Acts chapter nine right? So Saul wasn't just going around, you know, telling a story. There were eyewitnesses that heard. Okay. They were, they were people who heard, they heard this voice and this conversation that Saul was having with the Lord himself. And they were blown away. They could not believe what they were experiencing. So it says, Saul got up from the ground, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. You know, sometimes in our, early in our faith, we have to be led by the hand as well. Sometimes when we're just getting our feet um, and our uh, Christian sea legs under us, we need a lot of support. We need a lot of direction. And that's okay. It's okay to be young in Christ. It's okay to be young in the word, but don't stay there. Commit to the Lord and to yourself that you're going to grow in the word of God and that one day you might be able to lead someone else by the hand. Just as Saul was led by the hand after he received this blindness from the Lord. The Lord, why do you guys think that, that, that the Lord caused Saul to be blind? Why do you think God interacted Physically, and touched Saul's physical body in this way. To, to demonstrate his supernatural power. Sister Rose says to demonstrate God's supernatural power and to convince who? Saul himself. As Saul needed to know that this intervention was not just some random act, but that it was God himself that was imposing his will. His greater will upon, upon Saul. What, what, what was another response? Did somebody else raise their hand? What, why, why do you think God affected his eyes? His, caused him to be blind? He was spiritually blind. And when, and, and when you're blind physically as well, and because he was previously spiritually blind, he couldn't see that the work that the Christians were doing was from God. God had to affect affect his physical body right so that he would have to trust and lean on God you know sometimes God bl- blinds us spiritually or metaphorically speaking God allows us to go through things God allows us to have to trust in others or trust in him he takes away our strength he may take away our health He may take away our job for a season may take away a vehicle, may take away a relationship. God may may touch us up in some way, shape, or form because he's wanting to teach us and he wants to produce a greater work in us. Sometimes God has to take something away in order to restore us and give to us and place back in our hands something greater. Paul was in the middle of a metamorphosis. He was being turned from a, a worm into a butterfly. And that's what God does in our lives. God takes our lives. He allows us to go through things so he can turn us into his masterpiece in his work. And that's what was happening to Saul. The Bible says that for three days he didn't eat or drink. Paul was still trying to figure out what had happened to him, right? In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, Everybody say Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision and said, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Pause there for a moment. God is humbling Saul. God's touched his body, caused blindness. And what does it say that Saul has done for the last three days? Pray. Oh man, it's a great reminder to me and all of us on what we must do when we're going through life's most difficult challenges. When we're even confused and trying to figure out what God is doing and, and what our role, or what, do we, what role do we play in this greater picture, this greater play that we call life. Sometimes God is just calling us to pray. Sometimes we got to unplug. Sometimes we got to go and get small before the Lord. Sometimes we have to still away and listen to him. Very rarely or seldomly do we ever make the time that is truly needed to retreat with the Lord in prayer, to try and figure out and hear from the Lord receive the visions or the dreams that God may be wanting to give us. But when we do, it's when God speaks the clearest. It's when God will demonstrate to us his greater purpose. You ever thought, what is God trying to teach me in all of this? You know, sometimes you just got to stop everything and just pray and learn to listen, learn to develop an ear for the Lord. Not only did God take away Saul's vision, what was he developing in him? His ear. Another sense, another way to be in tune with the Holy Spirit by what we see and what we hear and what we feel. Verse 13 Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done. To your saints in Jerusalem. <laughs> and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. So Ananias was a Jew, but he was a believer in Christ. So Ananias was what we would call a Hellenized Jew, somebody who had believed in Christ, but had followed the way um, and who had come from the Jewish faith. Look what he says. So he's trying to, he's having a conversation with God about something that God has spoken to Ananias. Why is that important to you guys and for us today? Well, what, what are you getting from this verses 13 and 14? Anybody, there's no wrong answer. What do you think? What was that? Ananias was hesitant. And he was he was receiving this dream, and God was speaking to him, right? But what else is what that was very good. And what else is it demonstrating about Ananias' relationship with God? What was that? Yeah. Don't be afraid to talk to God. Don't be afraid to ask him questions. You want answers? The Bible says, seek, ask. You lack wisdom? God, the Bible says, ask for wisdom and God shall give you wisdom. Book of Matthew chapter seven says, ask, seek, and knock. We have to learn the ask of the Lord so that God may teach us. And it also tells us, you know, if you have a a strong and you want to develop an intimate relationship with the Lord, you can't be afraid to ask the Lord the questions that may come along with the instructions that he gives us. What happens if you, if, if we ask more questions and have this dialogue and this conversation with God through prayer, what happens? You guys, I have, a, I have a nephew named Joseph and he's, he's known for being very inquisitive. He's very curious because he wants to get, he wants to, he asked the five questions. He asks a question. You give him an answer. Then that is going to prompt another question to get to the core. Till you get to the core. Till you get to the core. Till you get to the core of the understanding of the bigger picture. And that develops intelligence, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. What does it teach us about Ananias? That he wants to know the heart of God. He wants to know the mind of God. He wants to know what God is doing, what God is thinking, and why God wants him to be a part of this thing right here with this man named Saul from Tarsus who's killing all of his friends and all the people. Don't be afraid to ask God. Viv? It's mind-boggling. God, why would you want to use this guy who's a known murderer... Of Christians, he's not a—he's a bad guy. He's a bad person. This guy's a murderer. He got away with this. You know, protected by the badge, right? And so Ananias is trying to understand, like, God, let, you need to teach me a little bit here about your character too. What's going on here, Cassandra? Isaiah 55. It's you have, you have and trust, and you she says it's important for us to know that God knows what is best for us. And she, she quote, she referenced Isaiah chapter 50, God, 55, which says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And as high as the heavens are from the earth, so is our God higher than us. And that's a matter of faith and trusting that sometimes God's going to ask you to do something that you completely don't understand. Right? It's like when God required Abraham to take his son Isaac up to the mountain and told him to sacrifice him. That doesn't make sense to us, but God wanted to test his faith to see if he was actually obedient to do what God instructed him to do. People would have said, God wouldn't tell you to do that. Well, God spoke specifically and directly to Abraham. Most people would call him a psychopath. Right? And sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't understand. Yes. He's he's walking by faith and not by sight. So Ananias was somebody who was already walking by faith and not by sight. And we're seeing that God wants to restore whose sight? Saul. So God is purposefully utilizing certain characters, certain people, even for a moment in Saul's life to demonstrate to him the next few steps of his faith journey. That's a wonderful response. I I really appreciate this feedback. This is fun, isn't it? Okay, anything else, or do you you want to move on? All right, let's. Oh, yes, Sister Amy. Demonstrating the mercy of God. Oh, yes. man nah. yes yeah right sister amy was talking about the mercy that god demonstrated to paul And just a couple of chapters prior, we read about uh, another man named Ananias and Sapphira. When they lied to the Holy Spirit, didn't bring the full amount that they had earned from the sale of a property that they had promised in their heart to give to the early church in order to strengthen the church. When they showed up, they only gave a portion of it and they both lied and they dropped dead right there. In this case... God takes a man who's killing Christians. I mean, one could argue that that's far worse than what Ananias and Sapphira did, right? And and then what happens? And then God says, oh, it's because he's my instrument. And so what does that tell us about the sovereignty of God? You can't understand God. Coming back to what Cassandra said. God is God. We're his objects. He's not the object of our mind, we're the object of his mind. And we're a part of this great big redemption plan, right? And sometimes God calls us to trust, to have faith and walk in obedience, knowing that God already sees the future better than any of us can see it. Let's continue. Verse verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias... Go. This man is my chosen instrument. To carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings. And before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Pause there. He's like. Yes. I want to use this guy. Because I made him and I designed him. Specifically. With a gift. And now I'm going to use that gift for my glory. I'm going to use him to speak to kings. I'm going to use this man because he is a very unique man. And he's been given a gift, a gift of grace that can only come from the Lord. And in a way, you could say, yeah, Paul was special. He was anointed by God even before he put his trust in Jesus. There was favor and anointing and all kinds of things that came along with who he was as one of God's Creations as one of his children, by, crea- by creation. But the thing about it was that God says, but I'm also going to show him how much he must, what? Suffer for my name. You know, if everybody could do uh, what you do, they would do it. But not everybody can do what you do or what God has called you to do. You have a specific calling on your life. And that's what's special about each and every one of you. That's what's unique about each and every one of us is that not everybody can do what God has called you to do. Very unique, very unique. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I love that. God is giving Saul a new perception, a new perspective, a new way of seeing things, and that's called the kingdom of heaven. He didn't know the kingdom of heaven before it, right? All he knew was who God was through the lens of Judaism. But now he's getting, he's now getting to know God through the lens of who Jesus Christ is with a new way of seeing and a new way of being and a new way of believing. The next thing is very significant. The moment that Saul trusted God and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, you guys, he got baptized. Now why is it important for Christians to be baptized in water once they give their lives to Jesus. It's Cassandra. It's the first sign of obedience. Yes, sister. What's your name again, sister? Karina. The old man or the old woman is laid to rest and is dead to sin and now comes out of the water, cleansed, made whole, and is new in Christ. Christ Jesus. Right. So that water baptism for Saul meant that the old man Saul is down there. And now he arose as who? Paul. <laughs> Come on, sister. Now he is Paul and Paulus means short man. So they, g- they gave him a no- name according to his stature, his actual physical appearance. That's what his name meant. All right. And then after not eating or drinking for three days, he's like, all right, I can see again. All right, things are starting to come together. Somebody get me some food and bring me some water. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. But praise God, he was not just filled um, with food and water, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right, let's, um, let's now read verses 20 through 25 who wants to come up and read? All right, from now on, I'm just going to call people's names and you can come up. All right, Sister Vivian. Sister Vivian's coming. You guys put your hands together for Sister Vivian Torres. Come on, church, you can do better than that. That's a that's a sorry clap. That's better. All right, sister.
1: Okay. Verse 20 that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, "Is this not he who destroyed those who called on the same in Jerusalem and has come here for the purpose so that well in Damascus proving that this Jesus is the Christ day at night to kill him then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket
0: amen thank you sister way to go that's awesome look at verse 20 at once Paul went and began to preach Christ. You're think, you may be thinking to yourself, how was he able to preach right away? Because he knew all the Hebrew scripture and all the Hebrew scripture and the prophets and the Psalms and, and, and all of the wisdom literature prophesied about Messiah. And now that Saul or Paul has now had an experience and an encounter with Jesus himself, he has now met Messiah so now everything that he was taught, he was now converted at that point and been able to point along the way because the Bible says that Saul was one of the greatest teachers of the law. He was so brilliant. And now he was simple, God was going to use all of that knowledge and all of that wisdom for God's purposes. He was he had just been redeemed. Right. And just converted so that it would all be used for the glory of God and for the purpose of reaching others with the gospel. Oh, wow. The people who didn't know about Saul, you could probably hear like, oh, wow. They were just like, this man is amazing. People who knew who he was were saying, it's not adding up. But scripture is very clear. It says that he went right away to the synagogues, which meant he was familiar with the synagogues and probably started to ruffle some feathers there in the synagogues. Don't you think? Absolutely. Because now he was preaching Christ and now he was not preaching the law of Moses. He wasn't preaching obedience and works by uh, or salvation by work. right? He was now preaching salvation by faith, salvation, salvation by belief in Christ Jesus. And that's very significant. Nobody wanted to believe that this was the same man that was doing all that. Yet he grew more and more powerful and they were baffled to the point where they wanted to kill him. Look at verse 23. They wanted to, they were conspiring to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan day and night. They kept close watch on him, the city gates, in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. You're like, what kind of wall is that? Well, there in Jerusalem, um, actually in Damascus, sorry, every big major city had walls that surrounded the whole city. But it wasn't just like the brick wall that you and I know. These walls, people lived in the wall. So the wall was probably, you know, 10 to 12 feet wide that went around the whole city. And so there were rooms and there were stairs and ways to go through all the walls to, to protect from invaders, to defend um, their cities. And, and, you know, these kings that were a part of these big cities, they were kings of basically like as a place as, as big, as big as maybe um, seven miles max, three or four or five miles max. And you would have a king and that would be their, their kingdom right there. And all the people that lived in it. It was very, very, um, interesting and, 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 but very wonderful. So Paul's let out of a window and they let him down in a basket with ropes and a pulley system. All right. Um, okay, let's, let's go 26 to 31. Who wants to read verse 26 to 31? Who wants to read this next verse? These next verses. Anybody got it? All right, Sister Kay. Let's give Sister Kay Wheeler a very big round of applause. All right, Sister Kay. It's okay. It doesn't matter. We all, we all have slightly different okay, versions.
1: Start at 26 and end
0: at... And end at 31.
1: Okay. So, when he came to Jerusalem, he really was in the name of Jesus, of the Lord. It was strengthened and encouraged... By the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear
0: of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we, that's great. Great job, Kay. Good job, Good job Kay. Thank you. <clears throat> appreciate all you guys that are participating, and I really appreciate the feedback. Look what it says. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid. All right. Those disciples were Jesus' main disciples. And then others that were still a part of that group, but not a part of his. So there are a larger group of disciples there in Jerusalem where lots of the events of the arrest, uh, crucifixion, and then the resurrection of Jesus were still not too far off from all of that um, happening here. I know we're in the book of Acts and chapter, we're like nine chapters in, but it was still all fresh, okay? Still all very fresh. Look what it says. At this point, people didn't believe again, just as it was in Damascus. They were afraid of him, uh, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas, okay, you guys, this is where Barnabas and Paul meet and where they strike up a tremendous friendship. We'll read later on about that friendship being challenged and them having to go separate ways because of a disagreement. But right here, Barnabas, which means... um, man of encouragement, he took him uh, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas had to vouch for Paul, okay? Isn't that cool? And sometimes we have to vouch for others. Sometimes others have to vouch for us, all right? Just as Barnabas had to trust in the Lord and actually listen to the Lord and pay attention that God truly did have his hand on Saul because Barnabas was able to see Saul in action or Paul in action in Damascus when he was preaching and the people who were responding to the gospel. Barnabas was probably there watching while he was in Damascus waiting to see if, if he was going to switch or if there was some, tri- some type of bait and hook right? To try and, and, and turn it around. And, but no, he saw nothing but a transformed man of God who is sincere about the work and word of God. Praise the Lord. And Barnabas was able to vouch for him. And when he came to the apostles. So, um, and it says that he preached fearlessly, fearlessly. Why do you think Luke places emphasis here on On this sentence right here. When it says that he preached fearlessly. Why is it important for us. To serve the Lord fearlessly. To walk with him fearlessly. In reverence to God. Absolutely. What's another reason. Why we are to live. To preach. To teach. And to share. Jesus. Fearlessly. Vivian so that people will take you serious and your faith serious that's right if we don't speak fearlessly and demonstrate who god is in our lives and we will have no po- our witness will not have any power in the world what somebody else any other reasons sister k to sh- to show our self confidence in our faith absolutely misty Sister Missy said, if you're, when you're precious to God, you become important to Satan. Now you become, you're on his board. And at that moment, you have to demonstrate to Satan, all of his demons and anybody around who you belong to. And you're serious about the work of God. Sister Rose. Sister Rose says, the reason why he preached fearlessly was because he was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit at that point, And he had no choice but to be fearless for the Lord. So that speaks to the need for you and I to seek the Lord and to seek the baptism, not only in water, but baptism of the Holy Spirit to be filled by the Holy Spirit, which can uh, Help us to overcome the things that we face in life, the areas of our life where we need the Lord to intervene. Amen? That's wonderful. Thank you, Sister Rose. Any, anybody else? All right, good. Um, verse 28. So Saul stayed with them, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. That was, those are uh, uh, port cities. And my wife and I, we traveled to several of these places when we went to Israel in 2013, baby, or 14? 2014. And that was amazing. Uh, and, th- and then look what it says. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. Why did the church enjoy a time of peace? Because Saul wasn't out there persecuting them, killing them, throwing them in jail. Jews. The Hellenistic Jews. Yeah. And, and basically it's Jews that were just have conformed to the Greek way of life. That's that's basically what that meant. And Helen is one of the, you know, uh, my wife knows more about Greek mythology than me, but the Hellenistic is just uh, pointing to the, the Greek influence of the people um, uh, of that day. So we see here that As Saul moves in, the church has experienced a time of peace, not threats, murderous threats, persecution, but actually they can take a deep breath and relax because now others are trying to figure out how this man who was their leading enforcer, right, um, is now on the other team. And this was good for the Christian church, it was strengthened. And encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers. Living in the fear of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Thank Him for His Word.